Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope actually sitting alongside Colin Haas Hill recording this podcast for the first time in over a year. I, I think I think the last time we recorded in person, I think was right before the COVID pandemic started. And we haven't recorded together in person since. Yeah, it was so I feel like we probably shouldn't have started the show off with this because I think the last time we recorded a podcast was the last time we saw practice and then everything got shut down in the world. So I think basically anything that happens after this moment is going to be an upgrade over last time. Well, I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so because we were at practice today. Uh, we were at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center to watch the first six periods of practice as Ohio State opened preseason camp on Wednesday. And typically, I mean, 99% of the time, if we went to a practice and we were recording a podcast right after, the first thing we'd be talking about was players that we just watched at that practice. But this is not any ordinary week. So we're going to start by talking about a player who we will see at practice at some point later this month, but we did not see at practice on Wednesday. And that, of course, is Quinn Ewers, who announced on Monday that he is going to be reclassifying and joining Ohio State for the 2021 season. And... To call that big news feels like an understatement because we are talking about the guy who's supposed to be the quarterback of a future at Ohio State, the guy who, even after reclassifying, is now the number one overall prospect in the class of 2021. He's going to be on campus a year early. He's going to be officially a Buckeye. They're not going to have to worry about recruiting against other schools for him for the next five months. And yet... We're not sure this is a good thing for Ohio State. All right, so there's I, – I, I honestly think that this is maybe the most interesting story for Ohio State that's happened since Urban Meyer's retirement because we're all just guessing. We're, we're all trying to analyze this. We're trying to figure out how it plays out. And much like when Ryan Day got hired, we have our, we have our inklings, we have our things that we think, but we are certainly not – at the end of the day, we're just guessing because there is not much present with this anywhere in college football, let alone in Columbus. So, Dan, like, this is such a big topic. Where do you want to start? Like, I, I got, we can't just – we have to start somewhere. Which, which part of this do you think we should start with? Well, I think we can start with, first of all, what does it mean for this season? Because I think that's the most immediate question. I mean, we're – we were going to be starting off today talking about a quarterback competition regardless because there is an ongoing quarterback competition going on right now between C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and Kyle McCord. But now Quinn Ewers is about to enter this competition. And I think the question, the question is not so much is Quinn Ewers going to be starting at Minnesota on September 2 because he's not even on campus yet, still might not be on campus for another week or so. So I think the idea that he could come in in the middle of preseason camp and be starting for Ohio State three weeks later, I don't think there's – I mean, I'm not going to say no chance because this guy is rare. I mean, we are, we are not talking about just anybody coming in here. We are talking about a guy who is – basically considered to be the best quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence. This is a guy who's supposed to be what not just a once-a-year kind of prospect. This is a guy who just doesn't come along every year. So I think when you're talking about a guy this talented, you can't put anything past him. With that being said, I would be very surprised if he is starting 
the season opener at Minnesota. All right, hey, I let, think the question no, is... No, 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 let's start with that because let's just wipe that out because you can keep on saying, like, there's almost no chance. There's no chance. He's not going to start against Minnesota because Ryan Day has said they want to have a starting quarterback within two weeks of fall camp. You know, Letterman Rose, Austin Ward, I think on Monday, had reported that it will probably take around 10 days for him to... Um, for him to get enrolled, that's basically two weeks into camp. Right. And if you're talking about the timeline that Ohio State and Ryan Day are working on, like Quinn Ewers has no chance to start the opener. So if anybody thinks that, that anybody should have a conversation about that, like I'm, we'll get into this. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Quinn Ewers year one optimist, but there is no chance it's not going to happen. He's not going to start against Minnesota. Yeah, I'm not going to argue about if you get that because I, I do. I mean, I think it would be absurd for somebody to come in and start three weeks later, a guy who's literally never practiced. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm sure he's had the playbook for a while. I'm sure he's going to come in prepared, but uh, for him to move to the start top of a depth chart by the start of a season would be ridiculous. But I think the conversation about whether he could play or start later this year, I think that is a much more interesting conversation because I think just from people I've talked to, you know, there's opinions that range from he's going to be the starter by the end of the year to he's not going to take a single snap this year. Yeah, and, you know, like me personally. So I think my initial reaction to this was, holy crap, I'm going to need 48 hours to even process this because this, <laughs> makes, this makes no sense. I mean, to me, this was set up so well both for Quinn Ewers and for Ohio State in that – C.J. Stroud would probably start in 21. He'd probably start in 22. And then after one year in the program, Quinn Ewers would start in 23. And it seemed clean-ish. And it's not totally clean because in that scenario, you're talking about Kyle McCord and Jack Miller potentially not starting and you know maybe transferring in that scenario. But like that is sort of the idea of what might happen. And that got wiped away. Um, so you almost have to reprocess exactly how Ohio State's quarterback room looks, not even just this year, but looking three, four years down the line. And I think that's the tough, that's one of the many tough parts about this. So when you then zoom in and look at this particular season, you know, there are so many factors that go into whether Quinn Ewers will play, whether he won't play. To me, I just think you need to at least start the conversation with Quinn Ewers is Quinn freaking Ewers. And if he's not Quinn freaking Ewers, if he's not the one, number one player in the country, the number one recruit in the country, one of the six players with a perfect recruiting ranking in the two decades of the modern recruiting era, if he's not the kind of guy who gets compared to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, like if he comes on campus and it turns out maybe he's not necessarily that right away, I don't think he's going to play. But the conversation changes if you believe that he's that guy, if you believe that he's different than the others. Because C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord and, and Jack Miller as well, I think they're all really, really talented. But if you believe Quinn Ewers is different, then this is a conversation. Because nobody in their right mind can say in a normal year somebody's going to graduate from high school after they begin preseason camp and at some point become the starting quarterback for a national champion. The reason this is happening the reason we're having this conversation, it's a legitimate conversation, is because like I'm someone, and, and I think a lot of people think Quinn Ewers is pretty, pretty different from just about anybody who's come through. Yeah, I mean, you, you cannot take a guy like Quinn Ewers and say, okay, he's going to come in and he's going to sit for two or three years 
behind whoever wins the starting quarterback job in preseason camp. He, like you said, if he's the guy that he's supposed to be, he's just too good to do that because if you if you just go out of preseason camp and say, this guy's our starter and, and you don't entertain the possibility of somebody else overtaking him for the next two years, Quinn Ewers might leave and go somewhere else. And, and again, if he's the guy that you, you think he is, you do not want that to happen. So... You know, I, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see, you know, when, you know, he could come into play and if that could could be this year. You know, I think we're both in agreement. We expect that C.J. Stroud is going to be the starter going into the year, most likely. I mean, nothing we've learned over the past 24 hours has changed my opinion of that because he seemed very confident in his position. I mean, when he was asked about Quinn Ewers on uh, Tuesday... You know, he he basically said, I'm happy for him. He's coming in to make money. And you just got the vibe that, like, he knows he's the starter. Like, he's very confident he's going to be the starter. And he doesn't think Quinn Ewers coming in is going to change that. I got that vibe from him more than I did from the other two quarterbacks. So I expect him to be the starter. I mean, as I've said all along, I'm not ruling Kyle McCord out in this thing. But, I mean, Kyle McCord was still third in the quarterback line on Wednesday. Like, if Kyle McCord had been second in the quarterback line, on Wednesday, I think it was a little more of a competition than I do at this moment because it, it has felt all along like Stroud's in the pole position on this thing. I think the question then becomes, is C.J. Stroud going to play at the level to where he's clearly the guy? Because when you're in a room like this, I mean, the reality is C.J. Stroud has to play at a Justin Fields-like level or there are going to be questions about whether Ohio State I mean, even if he does play to just a field like level, as soon as he has a bad game or even a mediocre game, there are going to be fans asking why isn't Quinn Ewers playing. There might be fans asking why Kyle McCord and Jack Miller aren't playing too, but I think especially now that Quinn Ewers is in there, for C.J. Stroud or any quarterback to lock down this job, he has to be elite. He has to be fantastic. If not, there's going to be questions about whether Ohio State's playing the right guy. And C.J. can. Like... Um, I think he's really good. The, to me, to me, a lot of this comes down to how does he be in the year. Um, things change. Things, things I think can change really, really quickly. Especially when you're talking about, like, to me, this is a really important point. Where you're talking about four guys who have zero equity with Ryan Day and Corey Dennis. Like, yes, C.J. Stroud and, and, and Jack Miller have been in the program for a year and a half. Jack Miller or Kyle McCord has been in there since January. But you're not talking about a Kelly Bryant situation. You're not talking about somebody, a Jalen Hurts, who you feel like you owe something to because they've put in the work. They've won you games. Listen, you're not bringing in Quinn Ewers if you don't have a little bit of, uh, I don't know, ruthlessness driving you. Um, and, and, I, and I do think that if you look at the schedule – you're beginning the year with Minnesota and you're beginning the year with Oregon. And to me, like CJ has to play really, really well in those games um, because there are four games after it's Tulsa, it's Akron, it's Rutgers, it's Maryland. And then there's a bye, And that is a five week stretch where you are going to see a lot of backup quarterbacks. And if you want to make a, if you want to make a position switch, like that's, that's when you might want to do it if you're Ohio state. So to me, a lot of this comes down to, what do, what do we see out of C.J. Stroud? Because you're not going to pull, as, as much as me, you, and everybody else is going to talk about Quinn Ewers, 
You're not going to pull C.J. Stroud if C.J. Stroud looks unbelievable. Absolutely. The thing is, he's just going to have to look unbelievable really quickly, which is a that is a tough, tough ask. And like he's somebody who who I can appreciate. He looks at things like he's always the underdog, um, and I think that it's fair for him to view himself as that when he's going to be. I think he's going to open this open the year as a starting quarterback with two other highly rated, higher rated recruits um, in the room with him. That said, um, like the, I just wonder how the Quinn Ewer shadow affects things and if it affects things. And that's one of those things that's tough to tough to gauge. But you don't have to look that far back in Ohio State history for you know these kinds of quarterback situations and, and uncertainty at the top. Um, to, to, to see how that affects things on the field, you know, specifically talking about you know, 2015. I think what makes it interesting, though, is we haven't seen Ryan Day in this position as head coach. So we don't know exactly how he's going to handle it. Because nope. if you look at the past two years, you know, in 2019, you had Chris Chuganov as your backup. So Justin Fields was clearly your guy. And then going into last year, you, you yeah, you bring in Cedar Stroud and Jack Miller, but n- Justin Fields was already established as one of the best players in the country. So, you know, there was no way that a guy coming in as a true freshman was going to come in and and take that job uh, from Justin Fields. So there's been no uh, there's been no controversy about who the starting quarterback would be in any way whatsoever the last two years. Now, Ryan Day is in a different position here where there are going to be questions about whether he's playing the right guy and there's gonna be questions I mean even if CJ Stroud plays great this year there could still be questions about whether he's the guy next year because that's how good these other guys are I mean I think you know that's one thing like when we start talking about the different like problems that could arise from this and the different ramp gates like we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that like this room is loaded like Ohio State has never had a quarterback room that's anything close to this in terms of the raw talent they've brought in at the position where you've got two five stars, a guy in CJ Stroud who is very close to a four star or very close to a five star, but was a four star, and then Jack Miller, who was also a four star. And and these are all guys that Ohio State targeted and really wanted and went out and got. So these, you know, there's nobody in this room that it's like, oh, this guy, you know, he's a career backup. Like that's why we're having these conversations because you have to figure all these guys are going to want to start at some point. And, you know, we'll see how things play out over the next couple of years in terms of whether guys transfer or whatnot. But you know, Ryan Day is going to have some decisions to make here. You know, it feels like things are definitely moving in the direction towards C.J. Stroud being the starter initially, but it just becomes a matter, okay, now at some point are you going to have to make a decision about whether he's still the right guy? And the, 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 the thing that's helpful for C.J. out of the gate, like, yes, the opponents I think are pretty difficult when you're talking about Minnesota and Oregon right off the bat. To me, the other aspect of that is – He's playing with an unbelievable offense surrounding him. When you think about Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, the 795 other five stars in the wide receiver room, Jeremy Rucker, Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams, Master T, two of the you know ten best offensive tackles in the country, five stars in the interior offensive line. Like this is this is an offense that's built to 
make it easier for for young quarterbacks. So I also think that that maybe raises the bar on on what to expect and and what C.J. Stroud needs to do. Um, Dan, like looking at Quinn Ewers in particular this season, like how does he become the starter in your mind? Because I think, you know, I wrote a piece, I think on Monday, it was Monday or Tuesday earlier this week about, you know, what, why I don't think Quinn Ewers starting this year is crazy. And I'll just say it. I think at some point this year, Quinn Ewers is going to start for Ohio State. Um, prediction right there. Yeah. I know some people, some people are agree with me. Other people think I'm legitimately insane for that. And, you know, that's understandable. Um, but I just, from, from your perspective, because, you know, I think that your opinion is Quinn Ewers is not going to start this year. From if, that, I, if I had to bet on it, I, I would bet against it. From that point of view, you know, what, what do you think could lead to Quinn Ewers starting? Like, like what are these events that maybe would lead yeah, to Yeah, well, I think wrong? first and foremost, it's like you said before, with those games, you know, Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, you know, or even later in the season when you're talking about Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, he, when he's out there, he's got to look like the best guy. I mean, that's the first thing and foremost, like, you know, I, I do think he will play. Like, I, I mean, I know, like, we had a poll in our Slack the other day about when he'll get his first snaps, and some people didn't think he'd get his first snaps until 2022. I think he will absolutely get snaps this year. I ex- I think the Tulsa game is most likely when he will get his first snaps. I think that's fascinating, too. We can get to that in a few minutes about just how they're going to manage backup snaps. But I do think Quinn Ewers is going to get snaps uh, in, in blowout games this year. And if he... If he goes out there and he just looks unbelievable, then I think he makes it a conversation. You know, and that's the same for Kyle McCord. I mean, if Kyle McCord goes out there and he looks unbelievable, he can make it a conversation. But I think that's the first thing. Like, whenever the backups get in the game, if they're going to have a chance of forcing a change at quarterback, they've got to go out there and look better than the guy who's the starter. And whether that will happen, I have no idea because we haven't seen any of these guys actually playing games. But I think that's step number one for Quinn Ewers is Quinn Ewers has got to play well enough to where he gives Ryan Day reason to think, are we playing the wrong guy? Because that's what happened to Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. That's what happened at Alabama with Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, Dabo Sweeney really liked Kelly Bryant. Nick Saban really liked Jalen Hurts. But those guys, when they got opportunities to play – played well enough where eventually it became clear the best quarterback was not the guy who had been starting. And I think that's what Quinn Ewers has to do. He certainly is capable of doing it because that's how talented he is. But I think that's the first step is he has got to go out there and show that he is the best quarterback. There's that. There's also the aspect that, and and you mentioned this, we don't exactly know how Ryan Day is going to handle this. Um, Ryan Day has to be willing if Quinn... In this scenario, Ryan Day has to be willing to go away from C.J. Stroud to Quinn Ewers, a guy who, you know, he talked on, I believe on Tuesday a little bit about how all these guys have been competing and they've been putting in a ton of work. He'd have to be willing to go away from these guys whose whose work he's talked about and go with a young guy. Now, I think that that's a hard thing for any coach to do. I think maybe he's a little, you know, people, people always talked about Urban Meyer and his loyalty. I don't necessarily think that we're talking about Ryan Day in that right now. Um, so I don't know if that's something that... I think um, we don't know because we haven't seen him in this position yet. I, I do think we don't know. I also think that him bringing in Quinn Ewers maybe speaks to the fact that he's willing to give an opportunity to somebody who hasn't, who, who comes from a little bit, uh, 
Uh, well, and he, and he did this with Justin up. Fields too. I mean, I mean, it, you know, I mean, he, I mean, it was different because there wasn't as many guys in the room, but he still went out there and he said, "The guys in our room aren't good enough. We're going to go bring in Justin Fields." So it's clear if he thinks he can bring in an upgrade, he's going to do it. There is, and and to that point, like, like I said, this is an offense that can win a national championship. It has to have a great quarterback, and if C.J. Stroud is a good quarterback, and then you get to a point in the middle of the season where you think that Quinn Ewers can make this offense. An unbelievable, an unbelievably great offense, and maybe you think C.J. Stroud can't really get you there. I think that's when you might imagine that that a, that a change could be made, and and that's so speculative that I'm talking about a guy who hasn't finished high school, and I and I understand that, but you just have to go back to the point that this is the highest rated player that's ever signed with Ohio State out of high school. He's a higher rated prospect than Justin Fields, and I get that. I went to the Elite Eleven you know, a month ago or so, and I didn't come back saying, I think that he's the next Justin Fields. But everybody thinks he's the next Justin Fields. And that was one event where we saw him for three days. And he had his moments where I was like, oh, this guy's special. It just wasn't 100% consistent enough where I came back saying he's, cra- he's, he's, he's crazy good. No wonder he's the number one recruit in the country. I think he can still be that guy because everybody says he's that guy. And that's where I do think that there's an opening. Like, he needs a couple things to happen. He needs to come in. He needs to be awesome right away. He needs to he needs to have already prepared and, and already have a good idea about the playbook and have his body in a good place, which I think is one question mark that we just don't really know right now. He has to have Ryan Day willing to make a change. And C.J. Stroud has to also not be awesome. Because if C.J. Stroud's awesome, the change isn't going to happen. Right. But if all those things happen, I just think there's an opening for him because this guy's different. Yeah, you know, and I, I think, you know, you made the point about, you know, having a national championship offense. I mean, I think that needs to be the number one thing here. In terms of in terms of who's playing this year, that has to be a number one thing at all times. Is Ryan Day needs to put the quarterback on the field who gives them the best chance to win this year. If that means being loyal to the guy who's the starter all year, great. If that means making a change... Great. That has to be the primary consideration. The consideration, you, you, you can't, when you have an offense this good, you can't make a decision based on, well, who might leave if this guy starts. So you have to play the best, you have to play the best guy. No matter who starts, there's a chance the other three guys all leave and don't finish their careers at Ohio State. You have to play the guy who, who you think is best. So I think that's the primary consideration. And I think the truth is, we're not going to know. Like I, I, I think the belief is C.J. Shroud's the best guy right now, but I have no confidence in saying who the best guy is going to be in January because, you know, as I've already talked about, I think Common Core is really talented. I certainly think Quinn Ewers is really talented. And I think, the, you know, I think as those guys develop and we get to see them in some reps over the course of a season, then we'll start to get a clearer picture. And I think that's the other thing I'm interested in too. Like so much of us is focused on who's going to start. But the other thing I'm interested in is who's going to be number two? Who's going to be number three? How is Ryan Day going to split up those reps this year? I, I'm assuming that, you know, especially for Cord and Ewers, he'll probably take a similar tact in those non-conference games as we saw him. I mean, they did, There were so few opportunities to play last year, but it was clear the plan was to keep reps as even as possible between C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. I would think he would take a similar tack with McCord and Ewers, at least initially. What I'm interested in is, 
you know, is Jack Miller going to be the second guy out there? Or is one of those guys going to be the second guy out there? Because I think the second guy out there needs to be the guy who has the best chance of potentially helping the team later in the year. And my feeling is that's probably going to be either Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord, assuming C.J. Stroud is the starter, and not Jack Miller. I, I could be wrong with that, but that would just be my guess. And so I'm going to be really fascinated. I mean, you know, we usually kind of sigh at these like Tulsa and Akron games, but like I'm actually super fascinated by those games now because I'm so fascinated to see how these other quarterbacks are going to look too. Yeah, you know, one of the other quarterbacks you mentioned, we can transition a little bit into how this affects Ohio State in the long term. Kyle, Kyle McCord. Um, it's just like I just have to feel bad for Kyle McCord a little bit because this isn't necessarily a very fair situation for him. I mean, you're talking you're talking about a guy who, when he committed, the only guy committed was Jack Miller. And, you know, he probably knew that there's a chance Ohio State would get a second 2020 quarterback. He might not have known it would have been the Elite 11 MVP, who was C.J. Stroud. And I'm sure he knew that Ohio State was going to try and recruit a 2022 quarterback. He didn't know that that guy was going to be the number one player in the country and then decide to join his class as well. Um, so I do think, like, some of what some of what we talk about when it's like, you know, maybe after the first two games if C.J. Stroud isn't exactly who Ohio State wants him to be, you know, maybe it could be Kyle McCord as that guy. And, like, part of me wants to say that. The other aspect is, like, you're talking about a guy who's in the same class as Quinn Ewers, and my mind just goes to, like, shouldn't the number one recruit in the country who has all of this hype um, be better? Um, but Kyle McCord was a five-star, too. He was. I mean, we're not... He was, but but there we know there are differences between five stars and the number one guy in the class. Yeah. I mean, we just saw the number two guy in the class, and we've seen five stars come through. They're, they're just different. Um, and I think that it's a, I, I just, I, I don't want to overlook Kyle McCord, but it's, I, I can't help it. And I, like, I, I, I feel, I, I feel bad for that. And, and I do wonder, you know, where this exactly leaves him. Because if you want to talk a little bit in the long term about Ohio State's situation now, like, it's an, it's a mess in that I wonder if more than one of these guys ever plays for Ohio State. It's also not a mess. In that, like, I feel like we shouldn't focus primarily on the long-term negative ramifications because what has Ryan Day proven? He's proven he's going to go out and fill the quarterback room up with talent, whether it's going out and getting Justin Fields or going out and getting two-and-a-half five-star quarterbacks to fill the 2021 room. Um, I don't really know exactly where this leaves Ohio State in a few years, and that's where I do think you just – when we talk about long-term implications, you just fall back on this one point, like – Pick the best guy right now. Everybody could leave. Quinn Ewers might never play at Ohio State if C.J. Stroud turns out to be a Heisman winner in year one. Like that's a that's a real possibility. But if Quinn Ewers, if C.J. Stroud's a Heisman candidate in year one, you pick the right guy if it's C.J. Stroud. So that's that's the thing. Like you might what one of these four guys who doesn't play for Ohio State ever might go out and become unbelievable somewhere else. And that's where it's like pick the right guy right now. Uh, because they're going to be there. These guys are really, really talented, and there's a chance that three of them leave. Um, which, which is why, you know, there's a lot of pressure right now on on, on Ryan Day to, to work this thing out. Yeah, I mean, the hard thing is, you know, unless the guy you pick wins a Heisman and a national championship, there's probably going to be some second guessing down the line. Because you know, you look at like the Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow situation. Like, you know, it's kind of like you mentioned. Like, I still think. 
Ohio State made the right decision at the time playing Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins was better than Joe Burrow at the time. Joe Burrow ended up being better the next year than Dwayne Haskins was that year, but they picked the guy who they thought was the best at the time. He had a great year. I don't think that decision prevented Ohio State from winning a national championship. I think the defense that year prevented Ohio State from winning yep. a national championship. So it's tough. I mean, you know, I think the good thing is like, we, sh like, we should not lose out of it. Like, this is a great problem to have, to have this much talent in the quarterback room. I mean, you think of, again, a couple of years ago, they were one injury away from having to play Chris Chuganov or Gunnar Hoke. So this is a great problem to have. It's it's great to have all this talent in the room. And I would be really surprised if Ohio State, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say by the first game, but I necessarily expect great quarterback play just because all these guys are so inexperienced. So I'm still pretty confident they're going to have great quarterback play right away. But by the end of the year, I mean, I'm very confident whoever Ohio State has starting a quarterback is going to be playing great because they have so much talent in the room that like if they don't have great quarterback play by the end of the year then like something has gone horribly wrong because like the room is too talented not to have great quarterback play so i'm very confident they will have that it just becomes that question of who is the best guy because ultimately you really want the best guy to finish his career at Ohio State. When you have this much talent in a room, it's going to be hard to do anything that ensures that. Because, like, Kyle McCord's a guy, you bring it up. Like, I, I've said it before. I think Kyle McCord is going to be a really good college quarterback. I think Kyle McCord is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. I don't know if it's going to happen at Ohio State. I mean, it, it, I already wasn't sure, and now I'm less sure because of the fact that you know, C.J. Stroud kind of looks like a front runner right now. And then Quinn Ewers is, is the guy who's been, you know, the quarterback of the future. So I think it is a tough spot for Kyle McCord. Again, I'm still not ruling out Kyle McCord because I want to see him play in actual games. I want to see C.J. Stroud and Quinn Ewers play in actual games before I make some proclamation about, you know, those guys being better than him, you know. But I, I think he's going to be successful. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be successful. I think Quinn Ewers is going to be successful. I think Jack Miller is going to be. I, mean, I think all four of these guys are going to be really good college quarterbacks. The question becomes how many of them are going to finish their careers at Ohio State. And I think most likely it's not going to be more than two. And like you said, there's a chance it's only going to be one. Yeah. I I mean, it's – I don't know how much – like there's always this topic and and – college sports media which is like everybody trying to not talk about players transferring um because you don't i mean we're talking about 18 and 19 year olds and whether they're going to transfer colleges like that's a little absurd at the same time the way that the quarterback position uh just is run right now in in, in college football it's unavoidable yeah i think it's it's fair to say it is, it, it is, but there's I... There's going to... I think it's fair to say that we don't think all four quarterbacks in this room are going to finish their careers at Ohio State. It's, it's fair to say that there's going to be attrition in this room. I mean, even Ryan Day, when he's asked about it, does not deny the fact that there's probably going to be attrition in this room. I, I, I'm still not the guy that wants to say I think player X and player Y is going to transfer, but to say that there is going to be attrition in this room and to say that at least two, if not three of these guys are going to have to ask themselves the question, you know, because I mean, there's guys in this room, I mean, all three of these guys that are on campus when we talked to them yesterday, they all spoke very highly of Ohio State. They all said all the right things. Now, things can change once a decision is actually made. So I don't put too much stock in them saying all the right things, but you know, any one of these guys could say, 
I'm happy here. I'm going to wait this thing out. I'm going to see if I get another shot. So I'm not, I'm not somebody who personally is just assuming everybody who doesn't win the job this year is going to leave, but you can't ignore the fact that they have that option now. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to transfer before January because they can't, they can't transfer this year and go play somewhere else. But you know, the possibility that any one of these guys who doesn't start this year could go into next year and say, you know, I think it makes more sense for me to transfer somewhere else so I can start playing this year. You know, I, I think they're all going to have to ask themselves that question. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but and I think they should ask themselves that question. They're all too talented not to ask themselves that question. And I think if any one of these guys says, you know, I'm, I can go start somewhere else right now. I'm not going to start here. And they left. I sure as heck wouldn't blame them. Yeah, that was the point I was going to make is that there are two guys in particular who I would point at. Honestly, like I have two guys in mind, but you can ask this question of anybody. Um, there's there's a, there's two guys who I look at and say, like, what do they want? How long are they willing to wait? And nobody knows but them and their inner circle. And we can speculate and we can look around and say a lot of people and co- a lot of college football quarterbacks transfer. That's just that's what happens. It's the nature of the position these days. But CJ, but Quinn Ewers is coming here right now. Um, and yes, I think NIL plays a role in it. No, this is not an NIL only decision, and it shouldn't be looked at as that. This is this is him coming in because he wants to make money right now. Also, start his NFL clock a year early, and also like you're not doing this unless you think you can play. Um, so my question is like, if CJ Stroud is great, would he be willing to wait two years? Because if CJ Stroud's great. My, 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 my question of whether, whether, uh, whether or not he would win the job for the, the 2022 job and stick around as a starter. I mean, if he's great in 21, he's probably still going to be the starter in 22. And that's one of those things where it's just like, I don't know, I don't know what Quinn Ewers exactly wants out of this. And I do wonder the same thing with Kyle McCord. Like, how long is Kyle McCord willing to wait around um, if he's not the starter this season? And part of that, like, part of these things are intertwined. Like, if Kyle McCord says after this year, like, yeah, I'm gone. I'm going to go be some be, be a quarterback somewhere else. Maybe that makes it more likely Quinn Ewers stays and vice versa. If Quinn Ewers says, I'm going to go and, and play somewhere else because C.J. Stroud's really, really good. I know he's going to be the starter in 22, and I want to also start in 2022 somewhere. You know, maybe Kyle McCord sticks around and says, you know, I'll stay here. I'll be the backup once again, and then I'll be the starter in 2023. Like, I think that there are a lot of those decisions and a lot of those motivations that we just don't know right now. And and maybe they don't know. I think they would have an inkling on, on what those what those decisions they, they, they would make are. But I don't um, think you can know for sure until you're actually in that position. No, yeah. Like, you know, I think Joe Burrow's a guy, but if you would have talked to him earlier in his career, like he thought for she would have thought for sure he would finish his career at Ohio State, but eventually he saw the writing on the wall and realized he had no choice. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's the that's the thing that, that makes it difficult. That because there, to me, there are two long-term implications of this. One, like some guys are going to transfer, and I think maybe there are more more of these guys will transfer sooner than I initially thought. And and maybe I'm wrong. That's just sort of how I view it. When you get four guys at quarterback who can start at many many places in the country in the same room, like to me, that's just just what that's just what's probably going to happen. The other aspect is. How does this affect Ohio State's position room long term? And that's one where I'm like, I don't think that we need to spend that much time on it because Ryan Day has proven that we don't need to, and they're going to figure it out long term. The, the the real question is these these four guys in the room, 
three right now, four soon enough. You know, how does this shake out this year and beyond? Yeah, there's so many different scenarios that could play out here. Like even in the hypothetical that C.J. Stroud wins the job this year and holds the job for two years. I think you can you can sell Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers on the idea of you guys are going to compete for the job in 2023. We'll name a starter by the end of the spring so that one of you can go play somewhere else. I think you can sell them on that. I don't know if that sales pitch is going to work, but I'm saying I think you can sell them on that if, if that's the case. You know, I think if, if McCord or Ewers were to win the job this year, I think it becomes harder to sell any of them on staying because then they're all going to look at it and go, well, you know, we'd have to wait until our fourth or fifth year to, to maybe get our shot. So I think, you know, if C.J. Stroud, but again, I, I will reiterate, I don't think you can make your decision based on that. You have to make your decision based on who the best player is right now. And that goes back to what you just said about the fact that if Ryan Day has proven anything, it's that he's going to figure this thing out. You know, it, you know I, I think the scenario you really would like to avoid is you don't want to get to 2023 and have all four of these guys be gone. That that would be a very disappointing scenario. Do I think Ryan Day would figure out a way to bounce back from that? I think he would, but I think you know that's the one scenario. Wait, tw- get to 2023 and have them be gone? I'm saying, is if, I'm saying if C.J. Stroud starts for the next two years and the other three all transfer because they don't want to wait, you could get to 2023 and have none of these guys on the roster. That's the scenario you want to avoid. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, if that if that happened, it probably means C.J. Stroud looked like a Heisman in year one, came into year two, and everybody knew he was going to win the job, and then left for the NFL after that year. And then because you just coached Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and presumably C.J. Stroud to first-round picks, you can probably lock up someone awesome and – whoever's going to be on the 23 roster. So, like, I get your point. I really do because in that scenario, we're only talking about two years from now. Maybe all four of these guys are gone. In that scenario, they're going to have three straight first-round picks, a potential Heisman guy for three years in a row, or three, you know, just Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and then C.J. Stroud. Like, to me, if that's the worst-case scenario long-term, like, shoot. Like, that's what you mean when this is a good problem to have because that's, that is a absurdly – good worst case scenario but it would still it would still be a disappointment if you don't have one of these guys on the roster in 23 yeah i I guess i mean i i honestly don't think it's that i think it would be a moderate failure in roster management if you don't have one of these guys on the roster in 23 yeah i I disagree because i don't think you can have them i don't think you can have a failure in quarterback retention like i just think if a quarterback's gonna leave i honestly just think in this day and age he's gonna leave and and you just have to know that and i think oklahoma does a really good job of sort of cycling it where you have a guy two years one guy sits then he starts two years one guy sits starts two years i presume this is something that lincoln riley has talked about that he likes maybe ryan day would like to start doing that he certainly hasn't been able to do that right now but but i also think like if you're gonna do this yeah, quarterbacks are probably going to leave. You just have to make sure you don't go full Kirby Smart and pick Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Like, that, to me, is the worst-case scenario. Like, you end up alienating these younger quarterbacks, have a quarterback who's good but not great, and you, then you see these other guys go on to see, to do great things. To me, that's the worst-case scenario. Right, right. Like, you, you, I, I totally agree with that. Like, if you, if 
you cannot have a mediocre starter for two years and have Quinn Ewers go in the Heisman somewhere else. If that yeah. if that happens, it would be a failure, bar none. If 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 Peter disaster. If you lose a guy that goes on to be a Heisman winner, number one overall pick, national champion somewhere else, and you don't have that Heisman finalist at quarterback on your team, you know, like if Dwayne Haskins had just been meh and Joe Burrow had done that, that would have been a failure. So you you, you don't want that again. I don't think that's going to happen because I think. I think this is a great problem to have. I don't think you can really go wrong here. I, I think the guy, whoever you pick is probably going to be a great quarterback. But, I mean, no matter what, I think we're going to be having conversations in two or three years about the what-ifs of this thing because I, I do firmly believe that at least one and probably multiple of the quarterbacks in this room are going to be great quarterbacks for another school during their college career. All right, let's wrap this up with, with one question that was on the poll earlier this week. And, you know, that I think if I remember correctly, I know your answer because I think it's a fascinating way to wrap it up. How many of these quarterbacks are eventually first-round picks? I'm going to say three. I think C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, and Quinn Ewers are all going to be first-round NFL draft picks. Yeah. Uh, like, my answer is two or three. Um I would probably say three. Um, the room is absurd. <laughs> like, it sounds crazy, crazy to say that three guys in this quarterback room are going to be first-round picks, but, like, I really don't think that's a, a huge stretch. Like, I think all three of I mean, and even Jack Miller could be, because, again, we didn't think Joe Burrow was going to be the number one overall pick when he left Ohio State. So even Jack Miller could be. So for me to say three out of four, it does sound crazy. But I really don't think it's that crazy. Yeah, the, the inside baseball here is Kevin Harris put up that poll, and then he DM'd us and he, he messaged us. And he's like, I accidentally forgot to put zero as an option. Should I take it down and put it back up again? And I was like, no, because there's no chance none of these guys are first round picks. Like if that happens, like that would that would be that would be more shocking to me than all four of them being first round picks. I had one other question I wanted to pose to you. When we did our draft a few weeks ago. We didn't know that Quinn Ewers was going to be on the roster. If, if, if you had known that Quinn Ewers was going to be on the roster, would you still have taken C.J. Stroud, and would you still have taken him when you did? Well, we're presumably playing the game yes, it, soon. It, yeah, the, the rules are still the same. It's for playing the game now. Yes. I, 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 as, as much of a Quinn Ewers optimist as I am in the first year of his career, I don't think that the first day he sets, sets foot on campus, uh, that is going to be a day that I would uh, like him to be my personal quarterback. So yes, when we did our little fantasy draft, I'm, I'm gonna, I would stick with picking C.J. Stroud. And maybe the more controversial take is I would still take Kyle McCord. And I think that's fair, but, but so would I. Like, I think Quinn Ewers needs a little bit of time. I don't think that he's going to walk on and beat Jesus right away, like Jesus with a mullet. I don't know. Like that's that that's not exactly what I what I'm envisioning. I just think the time the the, the time that he gets the the month and a half, two months that he's going to get right away when he gets on campus, if he's up to speed, I I, I do think he he can start at some point this year. It's just not going to be right away. A lot can change between now and January, and Ryan Day's saying that for a reason. Yep. No, it's uh, it is true, and. Like, if you, I believe we recorded this podcast last week under the assumption Quinn Ewers wasn't going to arrive until January. Correct, because the news <laughs> broke on late Wednesday afternoon yep. after it was already published. Yeah, and, and that is how quickly things changed. Now he's like coming to Columbus in a week and a half. Like, things are crazy, man. 
Well, we want to talk about some stuff other than the quarterbacks here too because we were just a few hours before we recorded this. We were at fall camp. So we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. We can we can move on from that. Other than that, what would you say was the thing that stood out to you the most at practice this morning? Well, it was good to actually be back there. Um, like, can, can, I'll, just, I'll just be honest. Like I said, I wrote this in one of our little notes. Um, it's just, it feels so similar every single time I go to a practice. Like you just, oh, there's the new five-star. Oh, there's Ja'Kalen Johnson versus Julian Fleming, the backups of top 100 recruits who I don't know how much they're going to play this year, but I certainly know that they're going to get a, a lot of time and, and practice against each other. Like you see Kerry Combs back with the defensive backs. You see Kevin Wilson with the offensive tackles. It's, it's, so, it's so funny how similar this is because, you know, I go back to when I would see Urban Meyer practices, they're run – almost the exact same as Ryan Day runs them today in 2021. Um, so, like, to be honest, like, that was the first reaction. I was just reminded, like, oh, this is just – this is the same thing I've seen for years. No, you're right about that. It's it's like it, it never changes. It's like clock roll. They, but they do they, – they are letting us watch a little bit more practice than they used to. It used to be, like, we never watch more than three periods. We got to watch six periods today. So, at least we got a little more. A little more, but we also didn't watch them do any teamwork which uh, is exactly when they want to kick us out so that we can't get yeah, the Yeah, it's like they will, you will hear as we're walking out, you'll, you will hear Quinn Temple on the mic telling Jerry Emig, who's the, the sports information director at Ohio State, saying make sure the media gets out of here. They, they don't want us seeing uh, the depth chart and all that. So, But we did, baby. You still kind of piece it together. Yeah, I, listen, I got, I got a little bit of, I got some nuggets on, on my last little walk out the door. So we're going to do a little bit of quick hitters on this. Um, since we, we wrote about this on, on Wednesday morning. Um, let's just start out with this because we just talked about quarterbacks. We just saw the quarterbacks too. Uh, what were your takes? And do you have literally anything new to say other than, yep, C.J. Stroud's still looking like a starter? No. Yeah. That's about what I'm at. C.J. Stroud was first in line at quarterback just as he was every time we were there this spring. It was the same order as it's been all along. Stroud, Miller, McCord. We didn't see nearly enough to evaluate them as passers. So, and we never do, and and that's something that I know. And every, that's by design. Yep, and that's I know something that that people are always interested in. Like, who do we think looks good? I think that's really really hard to tell in, in what we see. All right, next one up, Josh Fryer, um, and I say Josh Fryer because, to me, you asked me about the most interesting thing. I think personnel wise, this might have been the most interesting thing, which is, he ran out there for the first um, snaps in in. You know their their run period with the first team, and he was the starting left guard. And I don't know how much rotation they did. Obviously, we didn't see the whole practice, but him going out there with the starters to 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 begin, I think was telling and also a little bit surprising um, because I thought I thought Luke Whipler and Matthew Jones had a better better shot to start. And and to be honest, like me personally. I wasn't looking at it as much of a three-man competition. I was looking at it as much more of a two-man competition. And I think I was wrong to be doing that. Like, I, I certainly view Josh Fryer now as, as right in the mix. I don't know if he's the leader, um, but but he's right there. And he's always been in the mix. You know, I mean, I think it's understandable that he's been viewed as maybe the underdog just because, because he's he a free, he's, he's he a shouldn't star be. recruit. He's going into his second year. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Matthew Jones who was ranked as the top center in his class. And he's going into his fourth year, and it looks like Josh Fryer might be 
ahead of him, but it actually looked that way in the spring too because Josh Fryer and, and Luke Whipler were out there getting more first-team reps than Matthew Jones was, and Harry Miller wasn't in the equation. We've gone back and forth with Harry Miller play center or left guard. Today he was at center, so maybe I was wrong about that idea that they'd keep him at left guard and, and play Luke Whipler at center. I'm still going to be looking at that position when we go back to practices to see if they're mixing in with different combinations. But the fact that Fryer took basically all the first because because Matthew Jones and Luke Whipple were both at center in the spring so Josh Fryer was basically taking all the first team reps there in the spring and I think that was really telling then and certainly the fact that he's still there now that Harry Miller is back is really telling now so it certainly looks like there's a, a very real possibility that Josh Fryer could be the starting left guard for this team this year and that would be uh, a tremendous development for a, a guy who, you know, I, I think when they kind of came in, like we looked at it, like, okay, Paris Johnson, Luke Whipler, those are the guys that are going to play early. Josh Fryer, Grant Toutant, Trey LaRue, Jacob James, those were kind of the developmental prospects. And Fryer seems to have completely separated himself from that other group. And now he's put himself into that mix with Paris Johnson and either neck and neck or maybe even ahead of Luke Whipler for a guy that could play this year. Yeah, we note the three-star part. We note the part that he's a sophomore. We note the part that he barely played last season as a point that, like, he should not be here right now. Like, this should be Matthew Jones's job. We would have projected a year ago that this would be where maybe Luke Whippler is if one of these sophomores is going to push. Like, it's a heck of a job by Josh Fryer to put himself in this position. And, and to me, like, that's what you should want to see as an Ohio State fan. You should want to see that it's a meritocracy and that a guy like that can come in and climb his way up the depth chart really quickly. And I guess that would be a good segue into talking about Mayan Williams because one of the first things that struck me at camp today was that Mayan Williams was leading the running back line. And typically when you have a guy that's an incumbent starter – like Master Teague is, typically that guy's always leading the running back line. And you can even look at like defense where Marcus Williamson is still taking the first team reps over Lathan Ransom at cover safety, slot corner, whatever you want to call it. Like that actually surprised me a little bit that Lathan Ransom wasn't out there. We'll see if that changes over the course of camp. But to see Mayan Williams in front of that line, I mean, we, we talked about it. I think we both kind of gradually got to a point over the spring and summer to where we, we got to the point where we thought Mayan Williams might be the starting running back at Ohio State this year. And today was just another data point that made me believe there's a very good chance Mayan Williams is going to be the first running back on the field at Minnesota on September 2. I think he's going to start. Um, and I also think this is, this is just this is me reading coach speak. The way that Ryan Day and coaches talk about Master T is how you talk about a veteran who you believe is a big voice and has done a lot of the right things, but maybe isn't going to play the role that, you know, maybe isn't going to be a starter. Like he's, you know, he's very effusive in his praise about Master T and, you know, he's noted that he is the incumbent. Um, well, and even that word, I've noticed they, they, they don't usually use that word, yes. but they keep using that word with master, the incumbent. They're not talking about him as like he's the starter. They say he's the incumbent. So it's like they want to give him credit for what he's done, yes. but they, 
they, they consistently, dating back to the spring, have left the door open that somebody yep. can take that job away from me. And it seems like Mayan Williams is running through it. And I said today, like, I think Mayan Williams is going to start. And I feel fairly I confident agree. in that. Next guy, Cody Simon. Um, another second-year guy. We're on a run with these second-year guys who I think have been overlooked a little bit. Those two guys well, were Well, and part of that is because we just didn't get to see him play yeah, much th- last yes. year. I was going to say, that part of that is because those guys were – the other two guys, Josh Fryer and Mike Williams, just three-star recruits. Cody Simon's a top 100 guy. He just barely played. Um, he walked out there, and you know, I saw him at the end of practice, uh, the the practice portion that that we saw. I saw him with the, with the starting inside linebackers, and it was him and Taraja Mitchell, um, Taraja Mitchell at Will, and uh, Cody Simon at Mike, and. You know, it made me wonder, like, I've been someone who has said, I think that Dallas Camp's going to start the year. The part of that that got a little bit hairy is that Dallas Camp basically missed the entire spring with, with, a, with a foot injury. And, yes, he practiced on Wednesday in, in, in the first practice of camp. Um, but there's clearly an opening, and clearly Cody Simon's running through it. And, and I don't know if that means he ends up starting, but he's in a position where – You'd be crazy to say that this guy's not going to play meaningful snaps. Well, I, I think Cody Simon is a guy that really has been overlooked since he got on campus. I think he's a guy that you know really hasn't been talked about nearly enough for the kind of recruit that he was. And you know this this doesn't surprise me. I mean, I I remember in, when we did our draft, I did take him as the second linebacker after Taraja Mitchell. I think we're both in agreement. We expect Taraja Mitchell to start at will. I think that Mike position is more open. I, I know you wrote about it today, but. I think it is going to be more of a by-committee approach. Mike, I'd be surprised if one guy is playing all the snaps there. I think between Cody Simon, Dallas Gant, and Paula Ienayateote, I think there's going to be a rotation at that position at least to start the year. But I would not be surprised at all if Cody Simon is the guy that's starting against Minnesota because I think he's a guy that did the things, you know, quietly did the things he needed to do last year. I mean, he, he became a regular on special teams as a freshman, which is usually a good sign. And, you know, we saw him in the spring take a lot of the first team reps. And it just feels like he's the guy that's, that's really been coming on there. So, you know, I think Dallas Gant is certainly still in that conversation. I think Paula Ie Nayateote, I've been making fun of our people for messing it up. I and mean, then I messed it up myself. But, you know, Ryan Day said on Wednesday that they're still waiting for an answer on him. They're hoping to get it in a week or so, but if he is eligible, then he's gonna have he's gonna be in the mix. That said, I think even if he's eligible, I don't think Paula Ian Atayote is gonna be the starter week one because Ryan Day said Wednesday that they weren't giving him first or second team reps because they don't even know if they're gonna have him on the team. So I think he's a guy that most likely, if he is eligible to play, most likely he's going to start the year coming off the bench and maybe his role grows as the year progresses. Yeah, and maybe he could have like a Justin Hilliard type role this season right. and then potentially start next season. Like I could see some sort of trajectory like that. I'm going to make one more point on Cody Simon though because I do think when you see him, when you see Fryer, when you see Mayan Williams ascending, like I think me personally, one of the best developmental signs that I've seen over the years is when you see sophomores ascending the depth chart over veterans. I think if that happens, almost always you're talking about a guy who's going to be a great player. Like, I don't remember any times, honestly, where that's happened, and I've looked back and said, like, that guy wasn't good. Um, Almost always it's a great sign. So, like, I'll be honest, like, 
seeing those three guys in, in the positions that where the, that they are in right now as camp opens on Wednesday for Ohio State, I think it's a great, great sign. Feels like Steel Chambers is a linebacker and he's just not ready to accept it yet. <laughs> yes, we can move on to Steel Chambers, which is uh, every time Ryan Day talks about him, it's like, uh, we like him as a linebacker, and we are waiting for Steele to like Steele as a linebacker. Exactly. Which is like, listen, I, I understand it. Uh, they don't want to push people around into positions because they don't, you know, they don't want to have that as part of their reputation. That said, it certainly seems like that's a little bit what's going on here. Also, at the same time, like I, it's it's easy to understand why because there are big time openings. I mean, we just talked about how many. Um, how much uncertainty I think there is at linebacker right now. And, and that uncertainty reads opportunity. And, and if Steel Chambers can turn out to be a really, really good linebacker, there's a spot for him. I mean, Clemson recruited him to play linebacker for them. It's not it's not a crazy theory. The the, the question is how, how quickly he can turn into a linebacker. And and you know, that's something that I think is hard for us on on the outside to to figure out. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect from him in terms of on-field role this year. I'm a little skeptical when Ryan Day says he expects him to make a major impact this year. I would would not. But but I think it is clear Ryan Day wants him to play linebacker. Al Washington wants to play linebacker. His best chance of getting on the field is going to be at linebacker. I think he's hesitant, but, you know, he wouldn't have been out there in a white defensive jersey practicing the full linebackers all day if it wasn't something that you know they, they wanted to make happen. So to me, I would be surprised if we see Steel Chambers take a snap at running back this year. I mean, two reasons for that. One, because I don't think he'd be higher than fifth on the depth chart at running back. And, and secondly, because I, I think it's pretty clear to Ohio State that linebacker is where his future should be. He's just maybe not fully on board with that yet. We'll see if that changes in the next couple of weeks. Another little minor note, Haskell Garrett and Teron Benson, I saw them when they were beginning their little team period. I saw them uh, both in there at defensive tackle, which is something I was a little bit skeptical of earlier in the year, that they would play both at uh, on the field at the same time because, to me, they're really good at three. They're, they're really good at playing three technique, and and I, I didn't get a glimpse at which one would play nose. I presume it would probably be Haskell Garrett playing nose, but I'm just guessing because – I got I left the field before I could actually see which of those guys. But I thought that was an interesting little note, and it also probably is telling that they think Tehran's going to be very good because they're moving things around to have those guys be able to play at the same time. Yeah, I think that's really what it boils down to for the most part because you figure Haskell is going to play by far the most snaps at that position this year. If Tehran's going to be as good as they're hyping him up that he could be, then you want him playing more than 25% of the snaps. So finding a way to get those guys on the field, I think I think Antoine Jackson's still going to have a role. I think Jerron Cage is still going to have a role. But if you if you feel comfortable playing either one of those guys at nose and getting them on the field together, I think that makes a lot of sense because I think most likely Teron Vincent is going to be Ohio State's second-best nose tackle this year behind Haskell Garrett. Another guy worth mentioning, Ronnie Hickman. He was the first guy out there. Um, on the defense to play bullet, which it certainly seems like they're going to some sort of a four-two-five with Ronnie Hickman or or Craig Young in there as the bullet, and, and it also seems 
Like Ronnie Hickman's getting those first snaps. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I was looking for today because, like, I'm going like, okay, are they going to make us look like an idiot for talking about the bullet? Like, are we <laughs> yeah. gonna, are we going to go up there and see it's right back to a four three and the bullet was just trying to uh, create a diversion? But no, I really don't think so. I really think the bullet is a very real position. And you know, we we talked about. I mean, I I took Ronnie Hickman ahead of Craig Young in our draft. I've said it all along that just based on you know the way they use those guys in the spring game. But I think Craig Young has gotten most of a hype. But I think Ronnie Hickman's a guy who's, I think, probably has the lead to start at that position right now. I don't think it's over. I think the competition is still going to play out here over the next months. And again, I also think that there's going to be a rotation there where I think both of those guys are going to get playing time. But I think right now, I think if the season started today, Ronnie Hickman would be a starter on the Ohio State defense. Yeah, I think so, too. Um I have no idea what their position, what what their snap counts would be. I also have no idea, like, is this like a full-time position? Are they going to be out there every single snap? Right. Like, I think that's a big question I have. Probably not a question we're going to have answered until the season starts. Um, another defensive back to mention, Marcus Williamson, um, back for a fifth season. Fifth, right? Not sixth? Yep. Yeah. So he was out there to, to start at, at – cover safety. And and that is certainly a position that we have looked at and said, prime Lathan Ransom, ter- Lathan Ransom territory. Um, what do we make of Marcus Williamson at least beginning fall camp with the starters? I just don't know how they can talk about Lathan Ransom the way they have all offseason. If he's as good as they've been talking him up to be, he's got to be in the starting lineup. That's nothing against, that's nothing against Marcus Williamson. As, you know, I think Marcus Williamson could certainly improve now that he's got a year of starting experience under his belt. But to me, if Lathan Ransom's as good as they're talking him up to be, he's got to be in the lineup. And I think he probably is. I mean, you don't get this kind of hype from, right. from both teammates and coaches without doing something great. And, and I do think, you know, I think that we have a month to go. And if we get to the Minnesota game and it's still Marcus Williamson, I think I would that would be surprising. I'd agree. Um, the other guy I would mention, who I didn't write down, Court I think Williams. both will play, though. I do think there will be a role for Marcus I, I Williams. Do, yes, I do I do as well. Um, Court Williams, you know, I didn't really notice him, but I do think I would men- I, I, I want to mention, like, you know, Ryan Day sort of referenced him as, as a bullet. Um, I have no idea how he fits on this defense because if you're going to play Ronnie Hickman, if you're going to play Craig Young, I literally have no idea how Court Williams plays. It's just every time his name pops up, people are – praising him yeah that's going to be an interesting one you know I, I i think i do think hickman and young are most likely the guys who are going to get most of the snaps about bullet position this year but court's one of those guys i'll be interested to see it as the year progresses does his role grow because he's never played a snap in an ohio state uniform other two guys one jt tumulow he exists that was sort of my take. And he away. looks like a five-star. He looks like the kind of guy that you let wait until July 4th to make a decision. Yeah, I mean, he and Jack Sawyer both are the classic, like, nope, that guy's not a freshman. Like, they do not look like freshmen, um, which probably shouldn't be surprising. The other guy who doesn't look like a freshman, DeMario, because he's like 32 <laughs> years old playing cornerback or something. I don't know. Six-year senior Six wearing senior. number one playing corner. Yeah, I mean... He's actually out there playing corner. I was skeptical. And he's playing like real corner. Like I thought when they moved him, it was going to be slot corner, but he's an outside corner. Yeah, I, I was just I was just watching practice, and I was like, who's number one on Julian Fleming? And it's like he's just covering Julian Fleming like press he coverage. He didn't look bad. Like that's the thing. Like I mean, we haven't seen him in a real game, but like he, he didn't look like he was totally out of place. I'll never not be fascinated by the Demario situation, but I 
yeah, we're not going to sit here and say DeMario's going to play, but uh, he's on the team, and he's still practicing, and he's, like, getting real reps. Cornerbacks interview on Friday, so that'll be a fascinating <laughs> conversation, assuming DeMario is among the cornerbacks we get to talk to. Gosh, that will be thrilling. Um, one piece of news that we haven't mentioned yet, Tyler Friday. Ryan Day did not mention what he's dealing with. He said that they haven't talked yet, but Tyler Friday is going to miss all of preseason and likely most of the season, if not all of it. Um, which he's a fourth-year senior. He would have been a real uh, important part of this this defensive line, specifically the defensive ends. Where do you think that leaves Ohio State um, on the defensive line? Because as, as important as he was, he wasn't going to be a projected starter. You're looking at Zach Harrison. You're looking at Tyreek Smith for that. And he would have been a rotation piece along with Javante Jean-Baptiste, but also you're introducing Jack Sawyer and JTT into the mix. I think this is news that would feel a lot more substantial if Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolowell were not on the roster. Or if, either one of them. Right, exactly. Because I, I think, you know, I mean, we talked about it before. Like, we think Jack Sawyer is going to be a Matuti sooner than later. Now he is. Now he is. I mean, I, I fully expect that Jack Sawyer is going to take his place in Matuti and JT Tuimolowell is going to have a role too. And so I think they're going to be completely fine. I mean, I think I think... You know, especially if what we saw from Jack Sawyer this spring, I think he's going to be ready to make an impact right away. I don't know about JT yet just because he's only been on campus for a month, but I think certainly by the end of the year and most likely a lot sooner than that, I think he's going to be ready to make a big impact too. So I think with, with Zach and Tyreek leading it off, also having Javante Jean-Baptiste as an experienced guy, and then bringing Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolowell, I'm not concerned. I mean, I think obviously – you hate to lose a guy like Tyler Friday because now if you have additional injuries during the season, now you know maybe things get a little more precarious, but I'm just not worried about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. The other thing I would mention is like I do think it stinks for Tyler Friday because um, like this would have been an important year for him. He's someone who's who seemed like he's had a solid career thus far. He just hasn't really broken through, and it felt like maybe this could be a year for him. Also, like I just really like Tyler Friday. Every time that I've interviewed him, every time I've talked to him, every time that people have talked to him, like he's just, he seems like a good guy. I, I think, think he's one I, of the, yeah. I also sorry. remember, I remember when, uh, I think he was a sophomore and he had just done, he had just done like a media scrum and like there were only one or two of us over at him because there were seven other people out there. Um, and he's just, you know, we wrap it up and walking over and he just goes like, hey, are, are you going to post that? Like, where's that going to be? I want to make sure my mom watches. And like, that's, I just thought that was a funny comment. And I, to me, though, like he's one of those guys. We've seen a lot of Larry Johnson guys, but like at the end of their career, like just have that breakthrough year, like a Devon Hamilton. Like I would not be surprised at all if Tyler Friday comes back next year as a fifth-year senior, and you know there's a good chance both Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith and maybe Javante Jean Baptiste are going to be gone. I would not be surprised at all if Tyler Friday comes back next year and has a big year. And sometimes it's difficult to remember. He was a top 100 recruit. Yeah. Like he was a really, he was a really good player when he got to. Ohio and they're going to lose. They could, they could potentially lose a lot of guys on that defensive line next year. So presumably Tyler Friday is going to be back next year now for a fifth year. I, I certainly think the door will still be open for him in 2022 to make an impact. I think that does it with most of our camp observations. We got a couple questions. Don't know how great our answers are going to be because <laughs> our camp observations are generally like literally everything we saw. Um, so. From Beat TTUN, 
How involved in the first practice were Cam Brown, Seven Banks, Dallas Gantt, Court Williams, and Haskell Garrett, to which I'll say they were all out there. Yeah, I think I think that's a simple answer. They were all out there. They were all full participants. So I think that's the good news. Those are all guys who uh, were limited or out this spring, and they're now uh, all back to participating fully. So I think that's the good news. And there doesn't seem, you know, the Tyler Friday news is obviously significant. Uh, we saw Cam Babb, uh, who was working off to the side, you know, he he wasn't expected to be available for camp. Mitchell Melton, I didn't see him out there. I don't think he was expected to be available for camp either. But you know, by and large, they seem to be healthy right now. Now it's the first day of camp. There's four more weeks of camp before the season starts. But right now, they look healthy. Um, other question from Cotton Swab. I'm interested in the freshman corners, defensive linemen, and Donovan Jackson. So let's just one by one this freshman corners. I didn't see a ton. I, I think my answer would be we'll watch those guys more. <laughs> I believe there's going to be two more practice openings before next week's episode. So Cotton Swab, I promise we'll, we'll, we'll watch those guys a little closer in the next two practices. My main takeaway is it's weird to see Ja'Kalen Johnson wearing 32. It is. I view that as like a 230-pound power running back wears 32. Yeah, and for a couple couple times today, I'm like, I, I'm like Tyree Johnson. Oh, wait, that's Jordan Hancock because Jordan Hancock's now wearing 13. All right, the defensive linemen, I think that we sort of gave our, our opinions on, on those mm-hmm. guys. Donovan Jackson, didn't see a ton of him, but I did, you know, looking back, he he was lined up at offensive guard, so that's where he's going to start. Um, Not going to be a starting tackle like on my team in our draft. Yes, yes, he will He will be where he should be, which is a backup offensive guard for now. Well, same with Enoch Vamahi, my ever starting yes. tackle. He's also he's also a guard, but uh, <laughs> shout out to your, shout out to your uh, little fantasy team. We had a couple questions about NIL. I think it is worth noting that there was a significant piece of news uh, for players uh, on Tuesday that players are now going to uh, be able to have their jerseys sold and to make money off of those. So I think we both agree that's a great thing for the players to be able to make money off that. Uh, The group licensing agreement that Ohio State uh, signed with the Brander Group also allows for the possibility of licensing for video games in the future. So for those of you who have been clamoring for a decade for a new NCAA football video game, it does appear Ohio State is doing what it needs to do so that it it and its players will be able to be included whenever the EA Sports college football game comes out. Yeah, no, it's a long time coming and should have happened a long time ago, but that's one of those announcements where it's just like, it makes sense, it'll make money for everybody including the players who haven't gotten a a share of it and i know uh, we don't know right now i'd be interested to see how much money they're making off of those times uh, we're working on that we're going to try to find that out i know one of the questions we were asked here was also uh you know is there a list that shows for players and companies since the students have to clear their nil contracts through ohio state that's probably something we should also uh work on the uh, trying to get well the answer to that is you're not going to be able to get that because they will. You won't get the specific players, but yeah. we. Well, they'll protect it via FERPA. But we were also asked, have any of the non-football basketball players signed deals? And the answer to that is yes. I know uh, Mitchell Pelkey, a lacrosse player, I know he signed a deal with uh, Degree, and I'm sure there's been many others. Uh, I, I, I have not, I have not, I mean, even football and basketball players, there's been a ton of them. So I haven't been personally keeping track of all the deals. I mean, I think the reality is like for football, basketball players, like 
they're all going to have opportunities. And I think even in the smaller sports, like there's going to be a lot of opportunities to go around. They're not all going to be a national TV commercial. Most of them are going to be very small things on social media. But I think if you look at these athletes, Twitter and Instagram, you're going to see a lot of these different things now. Yeah, and it just all depends. Like I can name off several guys on the basketball team who I haven't seen sign with anybody. And then I can name off Zed Key, who I it seems like he signs a new deal every hour. Yeah. I mean, that guy is promoting. He's promoted like a dozen things. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I remember hearing Chris Holtman on the radio like a month ago, and he said about Zed was just killing NIL, and he, he really is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how big some of those paychecks are, um, but any money is more money. Any money is more money than they made. Zed's past. not a businessman. He's a businessman. <laughs> All right, that's how, that, and that's where we end. <laughs> that's where we end. <laughs> now, Silver Sniper also asked about uh, how Columbus compares as an NIL market for college football players compared with top NIL markets around the country. And, like, to me, I think it's right at the top of the list. I mean, I think if you're, you're comparing it to the other college football powerhouses, Columbus is a much bigger city. And then if you're comparing it to bigger cities, you know, most of, you know, you maybe you got like a USC or whatever or a Texas or something. But, you know, most, you know, you look at like New York or something, there's not a, comparable college football program to Ohio State. So to me, I think Ohio State is is right up there as an ideal opportunity for NIL for uh, its athletes. Yeah, I mean, you can have a massive conversation about this. Like, I think Lincoln, Nebraska is a better city for NIL than Los Angeles is for USC. Like, I, there's a lot of factors. I, I think that the important points are, like, Columbus is really high up on the list because Columbus is a big city. And beyond that, like, Ohio is a Ohio State-centric um, market and beyond that, like Ohio State has a an insane amount of alums all over the country, um, and you roll that up in a ball and say like Ohio State is the biggest team in the region. It's like yeah, like it's 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 made for NIL. Right, you're the biggest thing in town. Like you know, the Blue Jackets have a following, the Crew have a following, Doesn't, but they pale yeah. in comparison to Ohio State football. So if you are playing for Ohio State football, like. You know, I mean, Ryan Day is the biggest celebrity in Columbus. C.J. Stroud or Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord, one of them probably is going to be the second biggest celebrity very soon. Ryan Day is not – wait a second. Is Ryan Day the biggest celebrity in Columbus? Who else would it be? I just don't view Ryan Day as a celebrity. I think that's my problem. Um, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin next show with who is the biggest celebrity, and you're going to throw this on the questions poll net, or the questions for the for Real Pod Wednesdays next week is who is the biggest celebrity in Columbus? Because like my inclination is that it's not Ryan Day because he's just he's too new at this. Um, yeah, we we need an answer to this right. though. I need to, I need to take a minute to actually think about this. Colin's going to think about it. You guys as well. Feel free to chime in in the comments if you think there's a bigger celebrity in Columbus than Ryan Day. I mean, it would have been Justin Fields last year. Issues yes. gone. Yeah. If you think there is, let us know. I'm going to stand by my take, but if you think there is, let us know. As you mentioned before, uh, multiple more practice opportunities for us to watch coming up. Uh, several more interview sessions. So we're going to have plenty more to talk about on next week's episode. Uh, if there's specific players you want us to look out for, specific things you want us to watch, specific questions you want us to ask, let us know and we'll do our best to get to them. So thanks so much uh, for listening in once again, and we'll talk to you again next week.